This is the Ironside Podcast, number 55, with me, Brett Kane. Hazel, we'll have to stop here, said Bigwig, coming up between the panting, crouching bodies of the others. I know it's not a good place, but Fiverr and this other half-size fellow you've got here, they're pretty well all in. They won't be able to go on if we don't rest. The truth was that every one of them was tired. Many rabbits spend all their lives in the same place and never run more than 100 yards at a stretch. Even though they may live and sleep above ground for months at a time, they prefer not to be out of distance of some sort of refuge that will serve for a hole. They have two natural gates, the gentle, lolloping forward movement of the warren on a summer evening and the lightning dash for cover that every human has seen at some time or other. It is difficult to imagine a rabbit plodding steadily on. They are not built for it. It is true that young rabbits are great migrants and capable of journeying for miles, but they do not take to it readily. Hazel and his companions had spent the night doing everything that came unnaturally to them, and this for the first time. They had been moving in a group or trying to. Actually, they had straggled widely at times. They had been trying to maintain a steady pace between hopping and running, and it had come hard. Since entering the wood, they had been in severe anxiety. Several were almost thorn, that is, in the state of staring, glazed paralysis that comes over terrified or exhausted rabbits. So they sat and watched their enemies, weasels or humans, approach to take their lives. Pipkin sat trembling under a fern, his ears drooping on either side of his head. He held one paw forward in an awkward, unnatural way and kept licking it miserably. Fiverr was a little better off. He still looked cheerful, but very weary. Hazel realized that until they were rested, they would all be safer where they were than stumbling along in the open with no strength left to run from an enemy. But if they lay brooding, unable to feed or go underground, all their troubles would come crowding into their hearts. Their fears would mount and they might very well scatter or even try to return to the warren. He had an idea. Yes, all right, we'll rest here, he said. Let's go in among this fern. Come on, Dandelion, tell us a story. I know you're handy that way. Pipkin here can't wait to hear it. Dandelion looked at Pipkin and realized what it was that Hazel was asking him to do. Choking back his own fear of the desolate, grassless woodland, the before dawn returning owls that they could hear some way off, and the extraordinary rank animal smell that seemed to come from somewhere rather near, he began. And that is an excerpt from Richard Adams' novel, Watership Down, which we've covered on this podcast and is a favorite of mine. And the reason I read that is because at that part, we're in the narrative, we're about to see uh, Dandelion, one of the rabbits, tell a story. And we have with us one of my friends and an expert storyteller, Renee. Renee, welcome aboard. Hey, Brad. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to come on. So let's just dive right in. Tell people you know, what you're about. You're obviously an expert filmmaker and storyteller. How did that start? Well, I was basically always interested in people's stories. So I can, I can remember being a child and documentaries were what I was after. Uh, so it just always fascinated me and maybe because I was pretty fearful as a child. So seeing all these other stories, 
allowed me to live through these other stories without putting me at risk. That's probably what it was. What kind of, of stories or documentaries in particular? Do you remember any of them? Just not in particular, like, like about humans, like about people, people who did things differently. <laughs> Here's a, probably a topic that you're familiar with. So the misfits, the rebels, uh, the ones who went against the grain, like all these kind of stories always fascinated me. And these were the, the things that I was after. And did you always use film as your medium, making home movies, or did you do some writing or photography or what, what got you behind the camera? I did actually have one of these older v VHS cameras that I couldn't edit. I tried to film se sequentially or, or everything in, a, in, a, in, a, in the proper sequence. <laughs> and uh, I carried that thing with me everywhere I went. And then it got stolen. We went to Fuerteventura, which is on the Canarian Islands for a surfing trip. And it got stolen. They broke into our car and I never bought another one. So I don't know what happened, but it just, yeah, I, I didn't, it took me, oh my gosh, it took me almost 20 years to then pick up uh, filming again. But nevertheless, I, I kept being interested in other people's stories. And uh, yeah, that, that remained the same throughout all these years. And that's, that's just crazy. I'm so sorry that happened and, and that, but I think that that experience must have galvanized you. I know it took a while to get back to it because that, that can be really disheartening. I, I loved making home movies when I was in high school and in college. And then my laptop and my, my video camera got stolen by an ex-girlfriend. And I, I, I haven't gone back to, to it really just because it, it was such a, a blow and I, I lost so much. And this is before I had you know, cloud storage. So yeah, everything was lost and, and I, I was really bummed. So what, what were some of your first projects and, and how did those go well? What lessons did you learn? What didn't, what would you have liked to have seen different? Well, let me go, go back to the beginning because I found out later, uh, what was, what's the factor that actually pulls me into using a camera. So after that incident, I, I basically worked whatever the universe threw uh, in front of my feet, basically. So I was, I was trying to find myself, my place in the world, and I had no clue where I can find it or where I can find myself, other than I always knew I will not find it where I grew up. So the moment I kind of was able to decide upon my life, I knew I need to go out. I, I need to go out into the world to find my calling. Uh, that's, that, that was the only thing I knew. And I didn't find what I was looking for for a long time. So almost, it took me almost 25, almost 30 years to figure out what I, what, who I am and what I wanted. So at times I felt desperate because here was me uh, traveling the world, um, always working abroad, 
that coming home, not having a career, I had a backpack full of adventures and stories, but I didn't have a career. I never had money. And all of my friends back in the days, they went on, you know, they became um, successful. And here I was, and I questioned myself a lot of times and didn't know like what, what's happening. Why, why is this happening to me? Why can't I find myself, my calling? And then I met my wife and uh, decided to move to Los Angeles. And again, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I, and at that time I had a health problem, a pretty serious health problem. Um, and I was trying to figure out what the hell happened to me because I had a cardiac arrest and I was, I was all, almost gone, but uh, they brought me back and couldn't tell me what it was. Oh, sorry about that. And I asked the doctors and they said, uh, I was cycling at that time. I was an avid snowboarder. I moved all my life. I was seemingly healthy. I did the right thing. I ate pasta and salads and, and uh, what they, what we were told back then, right? So when I came to Los Angeles, my wife brought me to an acupuncturist who, when she was also a nutritionist and she, and she looked at me and told me flat out, oh, you look sick, like something's, you, you need to change what you eat. <laughs> and that got me started into nutrition. So I started functional medicine. I, I took courses and licenses in the nutrition world because I tried to fix myself and it just made sense that I also uh, uh, would teach and, and educate others about that. But I wasn't happy. I still wasn't happy. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a good person holding hands, meaning the people that you see as a nutritionist are the people who seemingly did everything and nothing worked. And they decide to, that they need help. And I spend a lot of time figuring out what was the individual bottleneck. So I use blood work hair i did hair testing like the, the whole shebang i unloaded a whole shebang of testing onto these folks and i was able to see for each individual what's the biggest uh obstacle they have and i told them and i needed them to change that first big thing and 80% of the people weren't able to do that. They always had excuses and came back and told me, oh, we had a family reunion or, oh, you know, at work, there's this ball with candies and chocolate and it's so hard. And, and I was, I got frustrated because I, I thought I put everything into the analysis and finding out what was wrong and still they couldn't do it. So every week it was like, yeah, I understand why you couldn't do it, but would you consider kind of go back on the horse and, and, and try it again. And, and I got tired of doing that. And, uh, and on the side, the digital revolution brought us Final Cut Pro and all the digital cameras. And that's when filmmaking came back into my life because now I had the opportunity to actually do something with what I filmed. And then um, family and friends would ask me, uh, hey, would you mind doing a video about my business or you know, my coaching 
business or my yoga studio or pilot or whatever. And I did that and they were quite happy. So I started to develop this side business that, that because I could control the product from beginning to the end, I wasn't dependent on someone else doing what I told them in filmmaking. I can go out, do the filming, I can do the editing and I can deliver a, a finished product. So I did, I wasn't relied, I didn't, I did, didn't have to rely on, on someone else to deliver a finished product. That's why it made me so much happier to do that. And then I decided to jump ship. So I then quit my practice that I had over in West Hollywood and then started to make films. And here's where I bring back the story to why I think it is what I was looking for the entire time. Because people always ask me, like, what's, what's the common denominator in being a nutritionist and filmmaking? And, I, and, and they can't see it, right? And I couldn't see in the beginning, but now I can. And it's all about finding patterns and, and bringing order to chaos. So in nutrition, through all that testing and all these numbers and patterns that show up, I had to find out what's the order here? What's the biggest challenge that we need to fix so that other problems will automatically resolve themselves? And in filmmaking, it's a, it's a similar process. I come, I come home from filming with a ton of raw material and it looks like chaotic, this pile of stuff. And then I start dissect, I start to organize things to decide, do I tell the story chronically or do I tell the story depending on locations? And, and I slowly but surely start to organize the footage and the story. And then all of a sudden, the solution appears from, from, from that chaos. And that's why I think I'm doing the same thing but, uh, or uh, I'm tapping into a talent of mine, which is looking at chaos and then seeing how that chaos can be organized. So that's a long winded story, obviously. No, I, I love that. And, and I'm so glad that they were able to resuscitate you because I, otherwise I, I wouldn't have the, the blessing to, to know you. And I think that the near death experience i mean that's an incredible story in and of itself and and talk about chaos under the surface because on the surface level you you were doing everything right you're clearly fit and fitness is a, a very important part of your life i know that and and then to see that there, there was more to the story i think that that's a, a really interesting analogy i want to ask so how how did you meet your wife I met her in France during um, a language school. <laughs> so I told you, I, I just knew I had to go out into the world. And that was one of these adventures where I signed up to a French language school. <laughs> and then <laughs> I learned English <laughs> because it was, a, it was a melting pot of different cultures in that school and no one spoke French what we were supposed to do and everyone <laughs> spoke English to understand each other and I came home with some understanding of English and I didn't speak one word in French <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and so was it love at first sight did you have to convince her how'd that go 
Yeah, no, it was love, love at first sight. And uh, we got really close during that time, uh, but she was in the same boat, meaning she also was someone looking for adventure, not necessarily relationship adventures, but just exploring the world. So we split after that. And I haven't seen her for more than 15 years. And back then there were no iPhones, there was no email, there was like no digital assistance of any kind. I lost her number over, over the years of, of moving and, and, and traveling. So I had no clue, but I always told my friends that when I, I didn't marry, I, I didn't, I, we still don't have any children, but they always asked me like, like did, did, you at, did you at one point consider getting married? And I said, yeah, there was this one moment that I could absolutely imagine myself. <laughs> Uh, uh, being married with, uh, but you know, we lost contact and that's it. And uh, yeah, funny, funny enough, uh, uh, we found each other again. How did that happen? And, <laughs> and clearly, I mean, she didn't move on either. You know, it's not like she is. So that's incredible that you know, these two kindred spirits. So how did you find each other after 15 years? Yeah, that's another story in itself. I, in, I was in between traveling or adventures so I worked at the local bike shop where I grew up. A good friend of mine opened the bike shop and he's really successful and he always needed help. So I worked there for a couple of months and was saving money for my next trip. And then there's this salesman coming in. And because of his accent, it, I immediately remembered, oh, that was, he must come from the same area or town that that Miriam, my wife, came from. And I asked him, hey, are you from Wheel? That's, the, um, that's Switzerland. And he looked funny and said, yeah, I, I do, actually. So I asked him about her, and he said, yeah, I know, I know her. <laughs> but I think she moved to the States. And uh, I asked him to, hey, do you, do you, by any chance, do you have a number or, you know, an email? Or, and... And he said, yes, I, I, not me personally, but I have friends, they sure do. And let me get back to you. And he never did. But that kind of started my, because I asked him, hey, do you know, is she married? Does she have children? You know, I bet she does. And he says, no, I don't think she does. So that got me, that lit a fire <laughs> under under my back. And uh, I, I, I think I checked Facebook. And I found her on Facebook and I wrote that message to her saying, hey, if you remember me, I'm the guy from France and, and are you this girl? And, and she replied, yes. And that's when we, uh, the next time she came to Switzerland and I was in Switzerland, we met up. And uh, next thing you know is I'm going, going to Los Angeles with two backs and never left. <laughs> that's incredible. Well, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that, man. Your, your life is just full of adventure and, and full of these miracles. So let, let's talk about these adventures. So obviously you are someone who does things differently and you're so unique in that regard. And yet you're making these stories and you, you could have endless material if you were just making it about yourself, but you're finding other people that are doing things differently to tell stories about. So how do you find these people? It's, it's interesting because to me, my life feels pretty safe and 
stable and not exciting at all because I'm doing what is easiest for me. Uh, it took me a long time to realize what's easy for me might be hard for someone else. So big changes for me come easy. I'm struggling with daily changes. So I love to follow a routine. I go surf every morning. I come home. I have my coffee. I like my days look exactly the same. But after three months, something big has to change or, or I go crazy. So to me, my life felt always kind of structured, boring. And when I did a huge change, that felt to me to say a safe play because that's, that's who I am. And, and so I was always on the lookout for seemingly more interesting people and coming back people who do things differently, people, people, yeah, who do things differently. I can't, I can't put it differently. They stand out. Like when I talk to someone like that, like an instant light in, in within my head goes off and, and, and says, you need to know more about that person. So it can be this morning uh, when I go surf at six o'clock in the morning, there's always a coach at the beach and he's yelling at these seemingly uh, 50 year old women. And, and it feels, it, it's, it, it looks so weird like that this, this guy, like this coach with this loud, deep voice yells at these women. And he has all, like he has classes like all the time. So to me, that's why is he so convincing to them? Like, like he, he's unique in that sense that he does something I never saw before. And so that's the story that I'm after. And I, I already planned how to approach him and how to kind of ask him to become or to join an episode of, of, of my channel. So that's another, that's how I find people. Or there's this other surfer, he's uh, 60 years old. He's, he's slightly overweight. He's out there every morning at six o'clock and he has a blast and he's an engineer. And I want to know what surfing means to this guy, because obviously it means a lot because he's there every morning. The, the more comfortable, the more convenient way would be to sleep in and have a coffee and go to work. But, but you know, he comes there every, every day. So I want to know about, about him and, and why he's doing that. So I think it's ordinary people, but I just have a sensitivity of where a story could be or what makes that person unique. I love that. And, and if you really think about it, th this just occurred to me, I mean, you were talking about routine, but every single person's routine is going to look different. Even if their, their days are exactly the same, it's probably a little bit different, you know? So I think it, it, I like the, the title of the channel because it does seem exclusive people who do things differently, but it's actually so inclusive because everybody does things differently and everybody has something that's noteworthy or story worthy about them. So let's talk about your first episode. So the first episode, you have the surfers in landlocked Switzerland. How'd you come across them? When I, I just finished my feature length documentary film, and it's a movie in German because those, that's the language of the protagonists. So we had um, the film premiere in Switzerland. So I went there 
a couple of months ago, and I saw that in Switzerland, in these cities where we were with my film, I saw more and more people with surfboards under, under their arms going someplace. And I thought, what the heck is going on? I'm not aware that Switzerland has an ocean. <laughs> so what are these guys doing? And that got me into like reaching out to a couple of people and asking. Uh, I, I actually also checked on Facebook, like uh, surfing Switzerland. And then a couple of people popped off and I wrote them and uh, they said yes. So that's how I, I met these guys. I was, I was looking for insiders. That was basically my plan. That's so cool. And I think that willingness to just ask questions is fundamental for interpersonal connections, for human relations, for, for storytelling because so many people struggle to ask a question or to approach a stranger, which is too bad because if somebody's passionate about something, they, they'll talk your, your ear off about it. And if you just give them you know, a, a little bit of uh, an opening, you can learn something totally new. I love doing that at the gym. I make so many friends at the gym because I'll just see someone and be like, wow, man, like, dude, you, you look awesome what program are you doing? Or, Hey, I saw you doing this. You're like, can, can you show me how I can improve this lift? And, and people get excited, you know, it's because it's sincere. You're, you're actually interested in something. That's so the I, point. I yeah. guess you just hit the nail on its head. You have to be authentic. You need to be cur curious and, and they feel it like they can feel with you. And I think they can feel with me. And that's what opens doors. Absolutely. And just in the episode, I mean, you're introducing a couple of the guys who are from Switzerland, and then you've got another guy who, who's, uh, who was raised in San Diego, Coronado area. And you just have these little asides about their life. Oh, this guy was self-employed or, you know, this guy, you know, came over to Switzerland for a little bit and, you know, about his mom going to college, just all these like little tidbits, you know, kind of garnishes uh, on, on the plate. And that's really cool. And, and just watching the film, I mean, you have some passers by you, there's a, an elderly gentleman on a bench and it's like, Oh, that guy's cool. I wonder what his story is. And then, you know, and it, it's really cool to see that because I think some people think about, you know, the lens of a film, at least, you know, like the viewfinder, is so narrow, but, but really, I mean, if you look at it, it, it gives you such a, a, a bigger lens and you can watch these things over and over again. So what have you found to be rewarding about being behind the camera? You could be spending all your time deservedly in front of the camera, but, but you, you seem content to let other people shine. So where, where does that come from? I'm, I'm genuinely interested in their story and it's not about myself. It's about them. And I think they can feel that. And it took me quite a while to like, I had this idea of this experiment that I'm doing with this YouTube channel for a long time now, but I had to prove first to myself because I'm somewhat of a perfectionist that I can put out polished work, meaning 
I needed to finish my feature length documentary to prove myself. Oh, I know how to deliver B-roll that looks great and polished and in spectacular color. Because I early on when I did my when I picked up a camera again and I started right away going after people, you know, it looked all jittery and I kind of felt I I I just wasn't secure enough. Like my films looked not on not professionally enough enough for my taste. So I think I needed to prove myself that I can put out professional work. And now I'm good with coming back to filming raw and, and, and not caring at all about, oh, am I on the right angle or did I pick the right lens? Because I proved myself, I can do that. If you give me a budget and you give me you know, a production, a bigger production, I can do that. But now it's all about them. And if, if the iPhone is what I currently have and the story is happening in front, like right now, I'm good with using the iPhone. Like and 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 I'm and I'm interested in them, I guess, and and they they feel it, they feel that, and that's the I think that's the that's the formula. It's a great formula. Have you ever seen? It, it's kind of a goofy movie, but it, it, Mr. Bean's Holiday. I've seen a couple of. Beans episode. I'm not oh, quite okay. sure about that specific. Yes, yeah, so, so it's it's one of the feature length movies, and and it's funny because he he goes uh, to the Cannes uh, Film Festival, and Willem Dafoe has a character in there who has this movie, and it's all about him. The credits are like 20 minutes long, and it's just him. You know, executive producer, directed, written. You know, all these things. And nobody likes it and because it, it's just about him. And then you have this basically uh, home video tier level from Mr. Bean and everybody goes wild for it. And so, yeah, I, 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 like, I like your approach. I'm, you, obviously, you've mastered the fundamentals and now you, you can, can take some freedom there. And so you've mentioned this coach. What other episodes are, are in the wings? Because like I said, the first episode is awesome. And, and I, I can't wait to see more of, of these, these people you find. Yeah, thank you. I have a couple in the works right now. So the next will be about a Brazilian professional surfboard shaper. And he shaped in Brazil. Then he shaped in San Diego for Sharpie, which is a current like hot brand. Uh, and he shaped for a, a ton of famous brands and guess what he's now in switzerland for the past i think 20 years so i wanted to find out what does a what does someone who grew up at the beach in brazil then moved to san diego another surfing hotspot uh, uh, what made that guy move to switzerland of all places and now is surf is shaping surfboards for landlocked people that didn't make sense to me at all and i wanted to find out and that's what i did and uh he happily agreed to uh, be on the episode. That's one. Then the next one is uh, also very interesting. And it's, it's about a Swiss guy who comes to the States and buys these vintage cars. And I know that these cars, even over here, they are, they sell like hot cake. And for some reason, he manages to, to, to get these cars, like even before the locals get to them. So I wanted to find out, like, what's his formula to find and get access to, to these opportunities? And then how 
how it works to get these cars over to Europe and Switzerland in particular. But that's another one. And what else? Oh, and through uh, a group we are, we, we both are involved. There's uh, I'm hunting down a cowboy who breaks wild horses. So that's to me is a dream, you know, to talk to a cowboy. And so I'm after that story or another story is um, we have this iconic surf shop from the seventies. And I want to show what the heck makes this surf uh, shop so successful. Because if you go into that shop, it looks chaotic. It looks like a shop from the 70s. Like it's all wooden. You don't see any fancy displays, any fancy lighting at all. Like it's chaos in there. But they have the latest and greatest, greatest in, in surfboard, skateboard, the snowboard technology. So whenever something pops up in a magazine or on the internet, you can... you. For, like you can go there, you can pick it off the shelf, even when the official launch is in a couple of months. I had that same example a couple of times. So that's something I'm interested in that comes out. And yeah, the list goes on. I like that. And, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about that and it reminds me of, of gyms, you know, especially like boxing or martial arts gyms. You, you, you don't want the place that's too polished or too new age, you know, with the fluorescent, you, you want just kind of like, it's a little bit dingy, you know, it's like, is that, is that a blood stain over there or whatever? Yes. And, you know, and it made me think of your films, you know, obviously you, you have the know-how to make this polished, you know, just crisp feature length documentary. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is these stories. And if all you have is an iPhone, great. And and just like the surf shop, it's not about the the real estate. It's not about the interior design. It's it's what are you producing? Yeah. Not to say that you know you you, you can't have a a clean or or nice uh, place of business, but that can't be the only thing. And and you know, you can't just say, well, I'm just going to have a crummy place. I'm just going to film, you know, this, and it's going to not be good at all. And it doesn't matter what I film. Cause it's, it, it's just, you know, it's raw, but that doesn't make it either. So there's a, that's an interesting dichotomy. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. No, what about, and, and, oh yeah, yeah go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, no, you please. And I, what I, what I want to make sure that people who are listening to this, uh, what they can take away from this is if someone feels like a passion inside or has a fire or deep down, you know, knows that there's probably another calling waiting. I just don't know how to get there or don't know how to find the calling or, or but it's just generally unhappy, like have the courage and say yes. Like that's, that's my message. Like there's, there's always a way, even when it's is seemingly hopeless and i'm the best example of i usually don't have a plan or i'm not good at business i'm not good at generating money or 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 cash flow or but for some reason it always uh, worked out to a degree that i i live a life that is uh that is doable and i'm, I'm not living under a bridge and, 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 and so I want to stand for that, like, like have the courage to say yes to yourself and, and to, to, to your plans. And, and there are different people. There are people who can burn their bridges before even having a next step plan. And if you are such a person, do that. 
yeah, there's, you know, opportunities will open up. Sometimes you need to close a door first before someone, another door opens up, but I'm not that person. And, and I need a little bit of security or safety. So, and for me, it was always have like, like a second job or like I'm doing dog walks in my spare time. That kind of keeps my things afloat. So find the level of safety that you need for yourself, but, but not more. Just find enough of that and then go off that place where you still feel somewhat safe and, and take a risk that you are willing to take. But take that risk that could take you towards your passion or your calling or, or your journey to finding out what that is. That's powerful. And I like that, you know, just find the bare minimum, like what, what, what's, what's the, you know, the lowest common denominator of comfort that, that you can deal with. And I think that's good. You know, and one of the things I thought about is everybody listening does something differently. So I bet that they do something that might seem mundane or routine to them, but is actually really unusual or really interesting. And if not, you know, then try and do something differently and try and, and do something that if you were an outsider, you would be interested in or, or, or curious about or find something you're passionate about and then go with that. You don't have to be, you know, a Rembrandt to, you know, to make art. You, you don't have to, to be Renee to take your iPhone out and film something and, and narrate it. And that's the great thing. You know, you talked about technology and the, the threshold for entry now is so low thanks to technology. I mean, if you want to write, you don't even have to buy a ream of paper and, and you can just type it up and email it. Or you can, if you want to print it, you can print it for free at the local library. There, there's, there's so much you can do uh, that yeah. you'd never be able to do previously. One of the things I, I definitely want to, to highlight uh, is something that you and I talked about uh, on the, so we met through uh, Exit, the Exit organization. And we talked about, uh, you know, you're like a fact finder and you're wondering about, you know, not being able to quite summarize this, uh, the episodes in, in such a way that it's like a headline, but your art and your videos, they, they really do speak for themselves. And we talked about this formula and the formula itself is just asking these questions. Because if you ask a question, there's somebody else who A, wants to ask that question or B, has an answer. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So that brings me to my next question. How, how did you find exit? Cause I'm so glad you did. I was so excited when, when you and I first got to, to talk some time ago, but how did that come about? It was through a podcast. I can't remember. I think it was a podcast that's called Liberty lockdown. If I'm, if I'm right. So there's this Clint, I don't know his last name, but Clint, like, of, like during this whole covid regime thing like things started to happen and, and and i was not in politics at all and but all of a sudden i was not happy with with how the things were were going so these podcasts kind of helped me realize i'm not the only one 
like for, for a while, seemingly, I was the only one with different idea of how we could go about such a situation. <laughs> and then these podcasts kind of helped me to find out, oh, no, oh, actually, there are other people agreeing with me. And I heard that podcast where Dr. Bennett explained like how this group, how this exit group helps each other to kind of enforce uh, um, someone's someone's ability to jump off and go after uh, his or her own passion. And that resonated with me. And I just like with everything that in my life, when something comes along, that seems interesting to me. I, I say, yes, uh, you know, like we are sometimes too fast in saying no, <laughs> because, you know, every new yes like every change in the beginning is 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 a risk. Feels feels more effort. Like like it's it's ah you know it pulls you out of your routine. So we're sometimes too fast in saying no. And I made a habit of just saying yes without uh, thinking too much about it. And that's why I wanted to join Exit and see how it is. I can always uh, uh, yeah sign sign off if I. Do. If I, yeah, but it was, it, it's one of the best things I ever did. It's finding like-minded people and, and like you and, 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 and others. So, yeah. Absolutely. Why well, I'm so glad that, that you found them as well. And, and you mentioned COVID. So what was that like for, for surfing? I mean, did, did you even get to go to the beach or did they have the beaches locked down? No. Can I curse? Can I curse on your podcast? You can, you can curse on the podcast. Yeah, we'll just do a little. <laughs> okay. So these idiots, like they closed the beach here in Los Angeles. And like, to me as a nutritionist, fitness, health oriented person, like, what do you tell every sick person, you know, eat better, sleep more, go outside. And what do these idiots tell the people stay inside, you know, go drink liquor because that's essential all of a sudden. And so <laughs> didn't make sense at all and I was really pissed like I was really pissed and the only beach that was open that remained open was down in uh, Newport Beach so for me all of a sudden I had to drive down to Newport Beach every day and still you know, to to hit the ocean so that was like I thought I and this is America you know I came here the land of the free you know like home of the brave and I told that to everyone who wanted to hear it like Come on, guys. Like, I understand when social Europe is kind of following these rules, but we're in the US. How the heck can this happen? <laughs> yeah, man, that's wild. No, I, I hear you. I, I remember seeing videos of them filling in the skate parks with sand using the, the bulldozers. And I was just, like, it's crazy. It's and nuts. I, 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 I wasn't. Yeah, I was surprised that the authorities uh, went this far. But what, what was way more, what was more crazier to me is that we all accepted it or the majority accepted it. But, you know, I learned about propaganda and how to <laughs> manipulate people. So I'm a bit wiser <laughs> now. But uh, yeah, that, uh, that was a shock to my system. Well, I'm glad that that you're able to to get back out the a nearby beach now, and 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 I'm super excited to learn more about that. That uh, you said he was an engineer, the the guy who, who's out there surfing. That yeah. Yes. Yes. That, that's yeah. that's so cool. Surfing is such a a cool thing. I it brings people from all different walks of life together. It's and I I'm up in in Western Washington, and and there are a couple good surf spots 
out here. It's obviously a, a quite a bit cooler than than most places, but we have some awesome snowboarding. I grew up snowboarding and and making videos with with my buddies, and it was before GoPros, so I would just have my camcorder and I would lean down and try and get as close to the to the edge of my board as possible to get that effect of the snow kicking up in it. So, what kind of are do you have different cameras? Obviously, you talked about. I mean iPhones are great. You can record so much with them, but do you have different cameras? Do you have different mics? Do you have GoPros or what kind of, what kind of setup are you working with? Yes, it's all, it's all small and mobile because I'm a solo filmmaker. I usually don't have a team with me. Um, so yeah, it's gotta be small, but yes, I have like higher production, uh, stuff like a Sony FX three. I have expensive Sony lenses. Uh, but I also film with the GoPro. I have my iPhone. I have a 360 camera, and it changes. But but uh, I, I like nowadays. Every one of these devices are so powerful. It all boils down to hey, whatever the situation requires, that you can still. To give you an example, when I show up with my FX3 and there's a shotgun mic on top and. There's, there might be a light on the side. They won't let me film inside a shopping mall. But if I show up with my iPhone, no one gives a damn. So whatever it takes to be able to get the shot, nowadays you're fine. So that's what, what, how I do it. That's awesome. And, and you mentioned Final Cut Pro. Would you recommend, I mean, if there are people who maybe don't want to pay for you know, a, a super high quality video editing software are there some less expensive options for them yeah go to davinci resolve for for instance they have a free version and it's a professional tool and uh so use that i personally like you probably can start with imovie but it's just i i would invest in something slightly bigger because it's just so much more fun and it's all about having fun and not interrupt the creative moment when you're working on on something like a film or photos or or writing like you don't want the tools to stop your creative flow so i find that uh, these slightly more expensive tools they just go out of the way and and that's why i i would uh totally recommend to go with something like that and maybe another insight if there are filmmakers here or people who love to film like 50 percent of a good film is sound so you can shoot with a crappy camera as long as the sound is good so make sure you invest in a in a you know in a in a, in a laugh mic in a in a in a or just something that records sound better than the built-in stuff and once you do that then you're, you're good. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's huge. Good, good sound saves bad video, like, uh, like all the time. That's really good insight. Do you find yourself being able to sit through documentaries now, or, or even, you know, just your know, regular Hollywood movies without thinking oh man like oh that's a great shot or i wish they had done this or this they should have changed this lighting or, or something yeah i think once you start working in a field you kind of will never be able to go back to just consuming <laughs> 
but I appreciate when something pleases me. Like when I see a good, like I'm all about my, my nature is bringing order into chaos. So I love organized, simple footage. I love straight lines, you know, I, 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 and when I watch a movie or a documentary that kind of follows that style of, of cleaning up the image, uh, I, I, I love, I enjoy it so much more because I, I know uh, there was someone on that production that deliberately made this happen and, and wanted it this way. So it, it goes both ways. I, I, I can be turned off and I can absolutely adore when I see something that, uh, yeah, I, I love. That's incredible. And, and it's really, I think, rare and, and it's powerful when somebody's passion is highlighting other people's passions. And, and that's what you're doing. And I think that's a, a very selfless pursuit. And, and not to say that what other people are doing, you know, writing books, painting pictures, athletics and not not that those are are selfish because you can certainly elevate other people but but yours is 100 intended i mean the whole purpose of it is to showcase somebody else and i think that's that's really cool so yeah. where can people find you i would say go to my new youtube channel which is so new like there's only one video on it <laughs> at the moment, but what people may <laughs> not know, I made over 100 of these type of videos in, in the past. It was just, you know, buried and, 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 and old stuff and mostly in Swiss German. So I, I've done a lot of these, but right now I kind of, I kind of started something brand new and it's called Von Gunten. Um, go over there. It's on YouTube. And I'd say that's the primary, primary way to find me nowadays. Excellent. Well, we'll certainly link that. And, and I'm, I'm so excited. And that's kind of cool because I think getting in on the ground floor and seeing a high quality channel take off, you know, in its inception is rare because usually you find a YouTube uh, channel that you like and oh there's already 98 videos and so you try and go back and and watch them but now people can just start from the very very beginning do you have a, a schedule when when's the the next one coming out yeah it's scheduled for scheduled for friday 21st i think it is and then i uh want to keep up the two-week rhythm until i kind of sorted out the last kind of the things and, and, and problems I have with uh, producing. And then the goal is to go into a, a weekly uh, scheduling process. But for, for now, I'm, I'm good with uh, a two-week process. Excellent. And one of the things, you know, you and I spoke over, over the weekend and you asked a, another super great question. See, you just have a gift for asking questions. And, and I wrote it down and, and you said, how important are other people in the creative process? And I think that's a great question that you and I and everybody listening, we need to ask ourselves repeatedly, how important are other people in our creative processes? And you know, we could even cut out the creative and how important are other people? How important are these specific people? How important are our family members? You know, how important are our coworkers and, and just all these things and figure that out and let their 
importance figure into our calculus of of what we're doing and what we're about and you mentioned it when you are excel in a particular field or even have a cursory knowledge of it it's it's hard to go back to just consuming i think that's a good position to be in because you as a nutritionist you don't just go pick up a, a big mac and shove it in your face. I mean, you're aware of, you know, what, what constitutes this, this sandwich, you know, and, and you can, yeah. you can and that's good. That's a, that's a, a good position to be in rather than, uh, you know, blissful ignorance. Yes, absolutely. You can never unknow the things, you know, right. So yeah. Uh, and definitely nutrition as uh, we, we, we might have opened the door when I said, and I used to eat pasta and it's pro it wasn't probably the healthiest, choice. <laughs> but uh, they need to turn in uh, on to your, your other episodes or, or uh, uh, exit groups, uh, fitness, fitness uh, group itself uh, to get that answer. But yeah, there are some, some, uh, <laughs> some problems involved with what we know from conventional wisdom. Absolutely. And, and that's why we've got to ask questions and, and you, you're an expert question asker and, and you've got a lot of questions and I think you, you're uh, stockpiling answers as well. It's just when I, when I may interrupt you there yeah. for just a second, yeah, ask other people's opinion, even if you're set and done with yours, but it just makes them an, integral part of what you do and if you work in a team or you work uh you know or even with your family just just asking them what what do you think of what i did here or what do you think you know we should do like just asking these questions can can open up so many more possibilities or can take tension out of something that's you know maybe under the surface it's just an easy way of 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 um of moving forward and, 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 and optimizing things and, and getting answers, uh, in an easy, easy way, like just right, just there, right for the picking. Absolutely. Now you're obviously a, a very confident and, and rightly so man, have you thought about any backlash because obviously there are always those uh, YouTube comments that are negative no matter what you do. Uh, how, how do you let that roll off your back? Just because I ask other people how they find about an episode or what they think about an episode and if I have a relation, if I value the opinion of what I'm hearing, I'm also open to hear critics or, or negative feedback. And, and because I do that constantly, I, I'm a perfectionist. So that means I need to know what other people think of my stuff. I'm my worst critic. So if I hear something negative, I know if there's something truthful in that and I can deal with that. I can, I can, I can admit, yeah, you, you are right. I can then still decide it's just not the time to correct it or it's done and, and next time I'll try better. But I can, I can, I can, I can uh, agree to, to, to that. And, but on the other hand, when I have valued feedback that told me it's okay, and I think it's okay, then someone else's opinion doesn't matter to me. He's still entitled to that opinion, but it doesn't bother me. So I think 
if if you have the courage to question yourself uh or to question yourself hard enough then it won't bother you because you're you're you are your worst critic <laughs> so, yeah that's how i i do it how that's how i deal with it I like that. Yeah. I mean, if, if you've already gone through that process yourself, it's you become immune to that. One of the things my, my father, he always reminds me of is, is just having the ability to entertain an idea or a concept or, or something new without feeling the uh, compulsion to either immediately accept or reject, you know, out of hand that, and I feel like that's something some people struggle with is they either have to be on board or they have to vehemently oppose yes. and so and oftentimes these people don't know the concept of empathy so so uh, empathy doesn't mean i agree with their opinion but at least i'm trying to see where they're coming from and that's so when we are create as creative people we are in the business of being criticized. That's, you know, we are being vulnerable. That's, that's something that just comes with <laughs> the, the job, right? Um, so if, if someone criticizes me I, and I'm able to jump into their, 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 their shoes and, and, and try to understand where, they come, where they're coming from, gives me an opportunity to relate to that or say, yeah, I see where you're coming, but it, you know, it, it's not where I was going with that. So yeah, thanks. But sometimes like if your initial reaction isn't put, put up the wall and just push it back, but actually try to listen and, and, and then you might learn something from it. And I, I, I'm, I'm good with, negative feedback because i don't take it personally i take it as a feedback and try to understand and sometimes you know you can learn something and create something better we we all have that you know we all work for someone who came back and said no this is not like well, why can't you do this and my, the first initial reaction is oh my god i spent two weeks you know kind of developing this and now but if you're actually kind of say, all right, let me see. Well, how do you mean that? And 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 all of a sudden, there's a point. He's got a point, maybe, or maybe his point and your work combined makes it even better. That's my, at least that, that's my experience. And and yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. I think that you know going on the the defensive just. I that that just shows weakness. You know, you don't you don't have to defend, and and it it might be a completely unfounded criticism that you know doesn't have any semblance of of a, a good argument. But even if you just say like, hey, you know, thank you, I appreciate the feedback, or huh, oh, I never thought of it that way, or mm, that's interesting. You know, just just yes. these things that. You know, you don't Shut have to be for five, 10 minutes yeah. and yeah. think about it and then <laughs> allow yourself a response, but just wait five or 10 minutes and then maybe something happens. Yeah, time. absolutely. And it's a great way to, to diffuse the situation. And, and you want to be careful because you don't want to come across as, you know, being sarcastic or, or, or dismissive, but be like, Hey, you know, like that, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, I guess you, you have, you have, you have a good point there. And, oh, um, yeah, you know. oh. I have stories. I worked in an advertising <laughs> advertising agency, 
And you wouldn't believe like you create a website along with programmers and developers. And then, you know, you, you are handed out this uh, corporate uh, manual that defines logos, colors, fonts, whatever. And you follow all these guidelines and then you, you submit your work and then something comes back like, oh, but this would be better in violet or, you know, like, oh, purple would be much. <laughs> you go like, how the hell <laughs> is all of a sudden purple an option? You know, I studied your freaking manual <laughs> and, and then turns out it was the owner's wife who also checked upon the website, you know, and then just <laughs> dealing with that feedback kind of teaches you to step back kind of <laughs> sort your sort sort your initial reaction and then hopefully come to a, a better solution yeah you know and i think that we talked about critics and and anytime you engage in a creative process you're you're opening yourself up to to criticism which can be you know we we say things like constructive criticism and and it, that's a saying because it's true. I mean, you look at, there are so many film critics. There are so many art critics. When I was writing my first novel, I, I just, on my, on my downtime, I would go and look at the uh, New York times book reviews and I'd be like, okay, what are these people? You know, like, not that my books are ever going to be New York times bestsellers, but it was interesting to see like, what are they saying? What do they like? What do they dislike? And, and then reading the, you know, my own reviews on, on Amazon is, is always, it's always a fun exercise and, and you do have to have a, a little bit of thick skin, I think, but you also have to have a sense of humor and you also have to be humble. And I think thick skin, sense of humor and humility all, all go together. Yes. Yeah. And, and if people react, Hey, then you, you, you know, you forced a reaction out of someone and, and Hey, that's your win <laughs> in a way. <laughs> I take that as a win, you know? So yeah, absolutely. And that is so cool. Well, this is, has just been a, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. And I hope you'll make it up to, to Washington state so we can go surf together and snowboard together. And, and uh, that would just be awesome to make a little movie together and, and uh, see you in, in person and in that creative process, because you, you are a, a very aspirational figure. And, and I thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'll bring my gloves so we can go in the ocean <laughs> or in the snow. I'm good with both. <laughs> Excellent. No, yeah, that, 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 that will be fun. Looking forward to that. Is there anything else you'd like to say to, to our listeners before we sign off? Yeah, there is one thing um, that I stand for, and it's important to me. So we learned about me saying, hey, if you have a passion, you know, try to implement that in your life in whatever form or shape or or size this and sometimes people don't even know if they have a passion and i was that person i like until i was 40 years old i i didn't even know what what, what i was after so i would like to leave the audience with if you don't know what your passion is at least learn about yourself like spend time into exploring yourself who am I? What, what, like, and give you, I, to give you an example, I did this Colby test, not to make uh, an advertise, uh, an ad here, but uh, I did, I did this Colby test that showed me who I am. And that when it clicked to me, meaning I was on the search for a job 
or a profession or something, not realizing every job I had fulfilled something that I felt good about. I wasn't just not aware that that's the case. So giving you another example, my bring order into chaos. I worked at that bike shop and he's very successful, but he's chaotic. So in, in my position as a mechanic, at least I tried to keep my working space super organized. And that gave me you know, peace and calmness and a sense of I'm happy here. So I, now I know whatever I do, I can, I can adjust the surroundings into something that gives me energy instead of uh, taking energy away from me. So, so if you don't have a passion, find out who you are, because this allows you to set yourself in, in a constant context of something that gives you energy instead of sucking you energy. So now I would say, no matter what I do, the nutritionist, I was trying to bring order into chaos in filmmaking. I'm trying to, to come up come out with a film that's easy to understand that uh, is not chaotic so that's my my forte and I think I would find that in any other job that I have or that I was, I was offered so so this is another takeaway go find about yourself and and you might find happiness even even though you you cannot point towards a passion right now I love that. That that is, I think, a a very very profound and important lesson. And I like that you said, you know, the the, the bike shop owner. He's he's you know good businessman, but pretty chaotic. And and you weren't, you know, as a mechanic, going to come in there and restructure his whole business model. You weren't going to come in and redesign the storefront, but you could absolutely bring order to your workspace. And I think if, if people will figure out about themselves what's important and then focus on their immediate circle of influence you know before they start trying to to reach out make those ripples close you know you toss a stone and then they can spread out but i mean the first thing starts right in the center and yeah i mean you can you you, you got to be creative i mean if you weren't and you know, we talk about create the creative process being a little bit chaotic but for you i mean it's 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 very orderly you know like i'm creating order you know and, and it's yes. not and it's, i love that it's it's so powerful like for me if i go out and film i follow formulas i'm an organized person so i know if i shoot a white shot i'm on my 60 mil lens if i talk to a person i'm on my 50 or my 85 if you know like it's, it's very structured the way I go about, but that gives me freedom to then, to then listen to that other person because I don't have to make decisions. They're already made, you know, a long time ago. So you just, if I know that from myself, I can act accordingly and prepare accordingly. And, and, and another example, if you have a job interview and you know who you are, then all of a sudden you're not there to just answer questions. You're there to ask questions, you know, like, hey, this job, will I have the opportunity to, you know, to organize myself? Like, do I have that? Uh, uh, will you give me this, this opportunity? Or I'm not a multitasker. I have to finish one thing and then go to the next thing. Like, is your job offering that kind of, of process? 
So you're all of a sudden the one who is asking about them and, and, and not just going in there and, and hope for the best and just, you know, yeah, take whatever they, they hand you over. So that's why I think it's so powerful to learn more about yourself and who you are, where you are, what you need that gives you energy. And, and then all of a sudden everything changes. Your whole life will change. Absolutely. And I, that's a job interview is a great example. Thank you for that. Because one of the hardest questions in a job interview is when they say, tell us about yourself. And everyone's like, Oh, what do I say? You know, because, because yes. it's hard. It, it, it feels unnatural. If you don't know yourself or if you don't yes. have a passion, it, it feels uncomfortable to talk about yourself because number one, it's like, these are strangers, you know, I, I what do I say? And then I think the second hardest question in the interview is when they ask at the end, do you have any questions for us? And, th and that's such an important, a lot of people I've sat in, in on interviews and people are like, nope. It's like, yeah. no, that, that's the time. Now to all, all of a questions. sudden you wait yeah. for that question. You know? <laughs> and then, you know, you start to throw out everything you need to know, to know if I, will I be able to, to, to be happy in that position and will that position or that company give me energy and, and then all of a sudden additional hours is not a problem because it gives me it gives me energy instead of sucking it out so not like if you know yourself and if you can follow what your instincts are and and then it gives you energy and 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 it it doesn't feel like you're sucked out so it's all about that Absolutely. Well, Renee, again, this has been awesome. We'll definitely have you back on. I, I know my co-host, Tom, he really wanted to be here and, and get to know you as well. So we'll have you back. And I, I'm so proud of you, brother. I'm, I'm so excited. I look up to you so much. You, you need to be sponsored by Discovery Channel or National <laughs> Geographic or whatever. You need to have your own special. <laughs> you, it, forget about Bear Grylls. You know, we, we need <laughs> Renee out yeah, there. Thank you. appreciate. And I would certainly consider, but I'm not someone who can take orders lightly so <laughs> i'm good where i am right now but yeah of course yeah thank you so much i really appreciate <laughs> absolutely well again thank you brother and to all you listeners know thyself figure out what you care about and make it happen and until next time this has been renee and brett out